Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one best-selling book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And in case you would like some support, if you are a sense of soul, like about 30% of the people in the population, uh, you can get my Sense of Soul Empowerment Guide, The Three Ways of Navigating Your Way to More Peace, Positivity, and Personal Power. Just go to sensitivesoulguide.com and uh, you will get this guide as a PDF download and lots of great tips in there as well as um, some really neat freebies. Yes. So today we are going to be talking about the war on dieting for weight loss. Oh my goodness. So many women, sense of soul or not, are so interested in weight loss. And uh, I myself, even though people look at me, you know, uh, and go, wow, you're really skinny, you know, it used to really bug me that people said that because I was like, um, can I just show you my chunk of fat on my belly? Do you really want to look at this? You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it would it would be annoying, and I'd be reactive to that uh, because relative to them, relative to their perception, I was skinny, but I knew that it I wasn't the body shape that I would prefer or that I would you know uh, optimally skate because uh, I'm a figure skater, uh, you know, optimally be in skating for lifts and uh, athletic performance, right? So it really frustrated me sometimes when this would happen, and so I would then. Um, struggle a little bit about my perception of me and so right now I'm working on that whole you know self-love piece and really truly accepting what it is that I eat and struggling less uh, and less and less and less about you know that whole attachment to that connection of uh, food and dieting and nutrition and like I said most people will just go into judgment when they look at me and they go well you're lucky you you know you're whatever whatever right but when I went through the massive ascension upgrade that I went through in um, 2016 when I started out with From Heartache to Joy in that telesummit. I was doing so much healing work. I gained 30, almost 40 pounds. I mean, it was a lot of pounds for a small frame, five foot four, right? Previously 110 pounds when I was um, uh, athletic figure skater before I was you know, if I, uh, before I got fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. So I can empathize with people that are struggling with that. And our author and guest speaker today is Tracy Desjardins. She has an international best-selling book, The Diet-Free Diva, that's available on Amazon. And she's going to help us by sharing her story about her battles with dieting and weight loss and what she's discovered in terms of an effective groundbreaking approach to healing from all these emotional type healing challenges, eating challenges rather. So she's going to walk us through um, a little bit about, you know, what are some of these five steps that we can uh, take? Um, what are the kinds of things that uh, we can shift in our consciousness and our awareness to just let go of the struggle? And then what are we going to do about the upcoming holiday season? <laughs> what are we going to do about, you know, uh, food sensitivities in terms of how we feel about them and um, what are we going to eat tomorrow? Like how is our relationship with food going to be? So we're going to talk about all these different types of things. So if you are with us live, you can call in and ask a question. The number to call in is 818-514-1190. Hit one so we know your hand is up. Again, 818-514-1190. And then if you are on the chat, I've just opened up the chat as well. So again, if you are live with us, you can post your question or comment in the chat. And I would love for you, if you're on the chat to just 
share with us a little bit about, you know, your personal experience of food and eating and, and cravings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Tracy has, uh, it's, it's so amazing that she has this book. I think uh, these books are really, really, really important, especially for us women who a lot of our you know, uh, our fellow theme sometimes is connected to how we look, how we want to look, uh, things like that. So um, I think it's really great to have an idea of how we can be or how we can make peace uh, with food. And I'm excited to speak with Tracy. So let me unmute her and welcome her to the show. Okay. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Dr. Ken. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm great. I'm excited that you are here as well. And, and first of all, thank you for the the really cool book. Uh, I love the cover. It's so it's so adorable <laughs> um, of, of your book. And um, so that's the Diet Free Diva. It's an international bestseller. Um, and I just want to share with folks before we ask you a little bit about you. Um, so the website to, to check out more is the Holistic Divas. Dot com so that's with an s yeah the holistic divas dot com and um, you can check out the links there to the book as well so Tracy yeah tell us your story what went on before oh wow you know Dr Ken when you were describing in your intro here about your life in figure skating. I think it's fascinating. And, you know, what prompted me to write this book is that everybody has a story with food. I mean, we have been Mm -hmm. in relationship with food since the moment we were born, if you think Mm -hmm. about that. And when I share that with a lot of my lovely female friends, it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? That's true. We have been in relationship with food. And when you approach it from that perspective, like what has that relationship been like for you? I get a lot of like deer in the headlights look and a lot of opportunities to that to dive deep. Like we all have a very powerful, magnificent story in our relationship with food. And I'd love to just kind of start there. And you just gave us a little um, snapshot of yours, which I think is, is, is just so interesting. You touched on the food story, the, you know, the body image challenges with figure skating, no doubt. And um, I'd love to kind of share a little bit about my story to mm-hmm. make a connection with you and the listeners. Yeah. Definitely. Please do. So, yeah. So what, what prompted me to write this book is, you know, during pandemic, I really landed in a rough place in my own relationship with food. And I realized that, you know, this is the first time that I, I actually was forced to slow down in my life and examine things about myself. And it was, it was arguably probably one of the most healing times in my life. And, and I, I, I got really curious about um, emotional eating challenges. And, and then, you know, the light bulb just kind of went off and, and I had to write this book. So diving back, um, I was born in 1970. And my earliest memory with food really had to do with sweets. And I grew up in an Italian family and, you know, family dinners were just fantastic. I mean, there was so much love shared at the at the dinner table, holidays. But I do remember, I mean, as early as like the age of three, having this affinity with sugar, sweet and chewy mm. things, soft and creamy things, but it was sugar. And I, I remember I was kind of like, um, I was slightly chubby as a little girl. And I remember like, 
my, my parents had concerns about that, but um, it was just, I was a very happy kid and, and I had lots of friends <laughs> and I knew I was a little bit chubby and I'm going somewhere with this and I really didn't care so much. I mean, life was good <laughs> and I, I liked who I, I liked who I was. But I, I do remember the older I got, there being a concern about um, how much, like I, I had to watch, you know, desserts and watch what you eat. Mm. You know, and I always wanted like more birthday cake. I always wanted a second item at the um, the ice cream truck that came through the neighborhood and played all the music. I always wanted more. <laughs> and I started to notice like, okay, how come some of my friends just throw away half of their popsicle or they don't want to finish their brownie or they don't want to, they're just happy with a couple of bites of birthday cake and then I'm sneaking and eating theirs and getting in trouble. Mm. I, I started to catch on like, okay, I'm a little bit different here. And I started to just become like, slightly embarrassed by that. But still, you know, I was, I was having a good time with life and my food. And I, w- I was uh, getting a little bit bigger as I was in elementary school. And I had to wear the pretty plus stretchy clothes for girls. And you only mm-hmm. had so much of a selection like at JCPenney's and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and still, I was kind of like, you know, I didn't really care what my hair looked like. And I wore the stretchy pants. And I was a creative soul, creative spirit in school. And sitting in a desk, and being forced to study history and math and science just made me crazy. So where I'm going with this is I was the kid that was kind of loud and I loved to laugh. And I had a way of making lemonade out of lemons and I would get in trouble doing that. Like I would be the one that would be initiating laughter in the classroom. And I was frequently getting kicked out of class and sent down to the principal's office. And oh, I'd no. hang out with the <laughs> Yeah. And this was like the right around fourth grade. And, you know, again, it was like, I was slightly overweight. I wore the pretty plus clothes and I loved life. Life was good. I loved laughter and I liked who I was is really the main thing that I want to point out. And then Mm. I remember going into fifth grade and sixth grade and all of a sudden as what happens, you know, boys and girls here, but I wrote the book for women. um, All of a sudden it was like the birds and the bees started doing their thing and I started to care what my body looked like. I started to care what my hair looked like and what boys thought and was I popular. Mm. It just happened almost like overnight. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have to fix myself. Like I, yes, I am too loud and my hair is way too curly and out of control. And I have to get that feathery look that was in style and, and my pretty plus clothes. Oh my gosh, they are so not cool anymore. Even though they're comfortable as hell, you know, they're not, they are no longer cool. And I did not like who I was. I started mm. to notice that society was admiring other things and other mm. characteristics, and I did not have those particular ones. For example, I was I I had I did not have a skinny body. I didn't have like the perfect hairdo that was admired by all. And I I was noticing what was considered popular. And so I, I bought into the cultural, societal um, example of what is admired. And that free spirit side of me, the one that really just loved life and I, I liked myself, I channeled mm. that into a very painful direction where I was going to fight to fit in, starting with dieting. So I started my first diet, Karen. Like, I want to say, like, around age 12, the ginger, precious age, like sixth grade. And I remember this. I I remember it wasn't like a commercial program. It was just um, I had to, quote, unquote, watch what I ate. And 
you know, I'm looking at commercials, I'm reading like the magazines, and I, I ate things like skim milk and carrots and hard-boiled eggs and all the diet foods, you know. <laughs> and what happened to me was, remember how I described that I really liked sugar as a little girl? Mm-hmm. I really liked, you know, I loved the birthday cake, I loved the cookies. Well, that that caused a, I would say, a minor explosion of uh, like sugar addiction and binging, I would say more like um, sugar binging from hell. That really took over in my life. And the more I restricted dieting and quote unquote failed at my plan, the worse my sugar binges got. And fast wow. forward, that was me through like junior high school and high school, it got really out of control. And um, I was always that girl, that teenage girl that was like 20 to 30 pounds overweight, and I couldn't get a grip on it. That was the thing. Like, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was really living in this inner battle with myself, and the dieting was making me crazy. I didn't know that then because it was a popular thing to do. Everybody was kind of, you know, doing this plan or that plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went off to college, and I remember some girls that had, you know, the eating disorders. And I really knew deep down inside I had a problem with food, but it wasn't identified as such back then. It was the fat-free phenomenon, and I'm gorging on the snack well cookies and the plain bagels and the hard pretzels, <laughs> the diet soda. And it's just kind of like what we did. But I remember, I, I remember, um, you know, this is so sad, but I remember trying to throw up a couple of times. And, mm. you know, I, I've said this so many times, and, it's the truth. You know, God kind of gave me this little gift, this little protective gift where I have a really hard time vomiting. I'm like a camel. <laughs> this is good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, me too. And, oh, good. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a good thing. <laughs> because had I not been given that protective gift, hands down, I would have done whatever it took, which would have, you know, gone. It would have oh, wow. taken me down the road of Bolivia. Right. Because I can remember the dieting was making me so crazy on an emotional basis that I remember having a strange spark of jealousy. This is so crazy uh, about the girls that actually had the eating disorders and they were they were at least uh-huh. diagnosed and they were sent away and they got help and they got compassion from others and all of that. But the rest of us that are muscling our ways through the dieting plans with willpower and and ending up with this binge eating problem there really was no identification of help for those those of us that were going through that. We were just, we really believed we were, we were kind of like delegated to the will, the lack of willpower club, you know, and we just had to try harder <laughs> and push harder and to just be yep. stronger, just like riding your bike. When you fall off, you dust yourself off, you get back up, you keep going. Well, dieting doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Dieting does not mean you stand up, you dust yourself off, and you, you pick up and you keep going. It doesn't work that way. And we can really create an inner war with ourselves that causes us to pay such a price, such a price for that way of living. And mm-hmm. this book really speaks to any women out there that can relate to that Tidori and I offer a healing pathway out because I think that there's still a lot of that going on. There's so much confusion. And um, I think that it's time to look back at where we've come from and to take back our intuition and our birthright as part of our food story and look at what's calling for attention because there is a healing pathway out of this. Beautiful. And, you know, 
yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like my my initial story. Um, and I, I'd love to, if anybody has any questions so far, I'd love to entertain that. Um, otherwise, I'll, I'll take it the next step, with, which is like what prompted me uh, to actually write the book. Okay. Yeah. So one question, and we'll get to that other one as well for sure. Uh, one question is, um, do you think that uh, people struggle with cravings and things like that because there's like nutritional deficiencies because we have, you know, supposedly our soils are depleted for more than a hundred years and people are nutritionally deficient and maybe that's why they're, you know, craving foods. Just a, so that's a question. <laughs> I would love your perspective. I love that. That is such an amazing question because let's face it, we're all, we all tend to live in fear and those cravings can be scary because that is where we're challenged at such a high level to make the right decision. We don't know what, what's bringing this on. So honestly, my opinion, based on my own experience and my own studying, is that cravings can come, they can come up for a whole gamut of different reasons. But in my opinion, really, it's, it's macronutrient imbalance when we are fighting a war with diets when we eliminate certain food groups and follow a certain plan, I think from a biological and a psychological standpoint, we can set us for disaster with those cravings. So the macronutrient imbalance, for example, if we're missing out on important um, nutrients and food categories because we're, po- we're following a popular plan that might actually not be resonating with us, but we're muscling our way through it, so biologically, our bodies are lacking in what it truly needs on a bio-individual basis. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, the cravings come from the psychological right. aspect of dieting where we become, we feed our inner rebel. Now, we have an inner child that goes with us everywhere, even as adults. I mean, I'm sitting here on this call right now, I'm 52 years old, and I have my inner child that I'm always aware of all the time now. Because mm. when when we restrict with certain restrictive diets for weight loss, mind you, I'm talking about re- restrictive diets for the focus of weight loss. When we go that route, essentially, emotionally, it can feel like taking that inner child and putting her in timeout and saying, you have to sit there until uh. I give you permission to stand up. So that's um, what it feels like when we take it, on these restrictive so Oh my gosh, that's yeah. an, an incredible metaphor for that. That is so true. Like that, that restrictiveness, that strictness. It's just like you know, there's a part of me that just wants to rebel, even if it's what I say I exactly. want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, so what you just said about feeling like we want to rebel, I would ask anybody out there. Um, if you ever remember that feeling, I mean, when you go on that, when you dig up the willpower, it's almost like you you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to start the next diet and I'm excited, but you also buy into the concept where I can't find pleasure in food. I sure yeah. as hell can't feel satisfied with what I'm eating. I also can't trust myself, so I'm going to do this plan. I'm going to give up on my own um intuition because we can't trust that we have to trust this plan that somebody else invented that worked for them mm-hmm. that is saying that it's going to work for the masses so every time mm-hmm. we try and we eat something off plan the inner child is like yes yes and so 
for many of us, that can lead to an all-out party with the so-called forbidden foods. There's where the emotional binge eating habit can come from when it comes to dieting. And I bought into that. That's exactly what happened to me. And I fought that in private, mind you. Um, It's not something that we talk about with others because it feeds into our shame. We're ashamed of these these um these mess ups and and when the mess ups are a natural reaction to the restrictive dieting for weight loss concept mm-hmm. it, it never ends and you know yeah. I, i'd also like to touch on this for anybody listening um further ahead in my food story i um i was not very good at sports in school Okay, I tried them. I, I was very average, but I discovered aerobic exercise classes in the 80s, and I loved that because I went and that fourth grade, that fourth grade like free spirit inside of me, I found something that worked for me, and I loved those hmm. classes. I was typically the youngest one in the room, but moving forward, I became a fitness professional because hmm. I loved that form of movement. It made me feel alive. That's for this is my 32nd year. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, where am I going with this? Um, I totally lost my train of thought. But as what you described with your figure skating background, um, working in fitness had had its um, professional struggles for me as well because I bought into this limiting belief that I had to have the perfect body for people to believe that I was worthy to train them in fitness, which was not true. And that whole, like, perfectionism standard really, really became um, a war that I fought. But I, I will say this. This is where I, I, I'm regathering my train of thought here. The reason I'm announcing my, my career in fitness is, is because what I've noticed, and this led me to write the book, what mm. I noticed is that over the course of, of those three-plus decades, of course, I met and I worked with so many different people on my team as well as with clients and in classes and all things. And I would say most of them came to me because they're trying to lose weight, most of them. Um, and I remember I remember feeling like, oh, my gosh, this is just like something's off here more than, than exercise. I mean, we have lost our minds with regards to how to take best care of ourselves. So – where I'm landing on this particular point is this. I cannot give you the name of one single person, and I mean this from the depths of my heart. I cannot name one person that I met and worked with in the arena of fitness that went on a restrictive diet for weight loss, had success. Now, many of us had success, myself included. We got our quote-unquote goal weight, but here's the thing. I can't give you the name of one person that – achieved weight loss success, and kept it off sustainably moving forward in the future doing the same thing. I cannot what? give you the name of it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like, what are we doing here? The diet industry, $72 billion, diet and weight loss, weight loss <laughs> industry, $72 billion industry with a 95% failure rate. So what does that tell us? <laughs> Something's off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Those stats. So what's crazy? It is. And you know, here's the thing. More important than the money that we have shelled out over the years for all of the stuff, bars, all mm-hmm. that stuff. More important than that, we have traded in our intuition, our self trust with our appetite 
Mm. Our natural-born sense of intuitive intuitive eating that we had when we were born. We gave up all of that and in the belief that the dieting program, the latest craze, is going to deliver on the false promise. And we keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know how to trust ourselves with our food choices, our own, um, our own quote-unquote appetite, and our own food wisdom. So this is the mission that I have with the Diet Free Diva, which, by the way, when I use the word diva, I do not mean big hair, big makeup, and high heels. What okay, I, mean I was going to ask this. you about what do you mean by diva. <laughs> yes, because I'm not one of those. I don't wear high heels, and I don't wear a lot of makeup, okay? But what I mean by diva is, and I speak to women here, obviously. However, my husband read this book, and he has the attention span of, like, a hamster, and he read it from start to finish when it came in the mail. And he said, you know, this applies to men, too. And I said, I know, but I wrote it for women. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> diva means this. Yeah. So when we find peace in our own sustainable ways, and it doesn't happen overnight, but when we reject mentality and open ourselves up to the curiosity of what could really work for me on my own terms, how can I rewrite my own relationship with food and live my life in my own lane and my own healing way, when we discover our own answers, that we can hold on to that work for us now. We regain our self-trust, and then it's almost like here's the rainbow. When we discover how much mental energy that we reclaim when we're not fighting ourselves with the latest and greatest diet, then what shows up is, hey, oh, my gosh, all this free space. Well, gosh darn it, this is what I was meant to do with my life, not start the next diet. When you think of all the energy that's required, when we're freed up of that, this is what I discovered. I discovered, wow, I was meant to do this and this, and I've been held back for decades because I've been too busy fighting myself with food and my body. So that's wow. what diva is. We would find out what our diva purpose is. What's that thing that you do really, really well that you've been putting on the back burner until you lose the weight, until you start the next diet, until ah. you get to where you want to go? Then you'll do the thing. Enough is enough. It's time to heal. Heal the relationship with food. Show ourselves some compassion, some self-love, and do this the right way. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah, a lot of times we don't think about all the energy wasted. Like mental energy is still energy of of thinking of it and planning. And, and I, I mean, one of the things that uh, I'm like – wondering for myself right now is do I go on that quote-unquote diet that worked really really well for me but obviously maybe one could say well it didn't work because you want to go back on it (laughs) right so right um, uh, because it was so successful at uh, you know uh, releasing the you know so much uh, excess weight and and all this kind of stuff and uh, the, the benefit of going on that particular diet it's a it's a it's from uh, the company called Desbio, and they have something that's like a homeopathic type of HCG. Um, and uh, the, the diet is very restrictive, and they say, well, it's also, you know, dangerous long term. So you can only do it for a short period of time. And it seems to always work, you know, for me. And then when I realized, okay, well, we're going to go back to intuitive eating, you know, afterwards, right? And there are the times where I just realize I'm not consciously eating. I'm eating because that's the food we have in the fridge or that's what came 
you know, from the food place or we're going to a potluck and, you know, farmer's market and a ton of this stuff, right? So I'm going to make that. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's not like people might think, oh, that must be really easy for you, Dr. Karen. I'm like, uh, not really, not really. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a struggle, but I, I'm in still that space of curiosity, like, huh, isn't that interesting? So when I eat nuts and seeds, a lot of nuts, like my vegan friends do, hmm, I tend to not poop and gain weight. Isn't that interesting, right? Or when I eat kale, exactly. oh, my body doesn't really like kale. Huh. So we make a lot of fun of kale and arugula, bless them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, for what's well, You know, and then I might eat like, a piece of steak and go, wow, this is great, and be alkaline the next morning. And then other times I'll eat a piece of steak because that was on the menu, and I go, eh, eh, I don't know. Don't, I'm not really feeling it, right? And then I'd be like, well, then I want to eat oatmeal, and I'm like, why do I want to eat all that carbs, right? <laughs> and then I'll eat yeah. it. Anyway, so it's, it's, it's definitely a work in progress. <laughs> and it's not, um, yeah, it, it, it's a pro- process to, to get to that intuitive eating place and uh but you know there's a part of me that's like well if you just do that if you just do that diet again you know you'll just peel off that 10 pounds in three weeks and you know you can start all over again you know and i'm not saying i'm not going to do that i'm just saying that it's interesting the thought process you know you use the word curiosity and you're when you first started describing what um, you know your popular word with me Yeah, and you know what? That is one of the secrets to healing from toxic diet culture is because mm. let's let's think about this. When we say, well, I'll just go and do that thing because I lost 10 pounds 15 years ago doing that plan and it's still going to work for me because I don't know what works for me, but I, I'm just going to do that again because that brought me success a long, long time ago. We go mm. unconscious. As soon as we decide mm. to take on dieting rules and programming, we are saying yes going unconscious and we put our beliefs in the hands of the diet program and we're it's almost like a sense of desperation then we believe Mm. when we lose the 10 pounds or whatever then our life is going to transform to perfection we have no idea how we're going to keep the weight off we just want to get to that place again then we'll figure it out yeah it it becomes a game of shoots and ladders the the game from milton bradley back in the 70s shoots and ladders the board game so that is what dieting programming teaches us. It's a false sense of, I got it this time. I got it. This time it's going to do it. So when you flick the spinner, and I describe this in the book, it's kind of funny, and you, you, know, you take your little, your little plastic figure and you go hop, hop, hop. You land on a ladder. You're all excited. That's the day you start on the diet. Mm. Or the, it may be even like the day that you decide to do the diet. We, we get really excited. Like, it's going to happen this time for me. Oh, my gosh. So we're postponing being happy until a future date because we know it's going to work. Climb the rungs, the ladder. We're eating all the foods, even the stuff we don't like. We don't feel joy, peace, or satisfaction or or anything. We're just fighting with food. We're choking it down. And then we're on a different part of the board game on another day of the diet. We eat something off plan, and then we land on the shoot, and it's down we go again with all of the shame, all of the demoralization, mm. and then we just figure, okay, well, I'll start over again on Monday. How many of us have done this where you, you, you slip up on Thursday and you just kind of go off the rails and then Friday, you just tell yourself, okay, Friday, Saturday, I'm just going to eat whatever I want, and then Sunday I'll go shopping, Monday I'm back on. I right, mean, right. This, is, this is what we do. This is what the diet culture teaches us to do. Um, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know 
I, I don't know of anybody where that where that's working. And you know, also that the concept of of diet. Okay, like let's talk about a healthy diet for someone who has found peace with food. Their diet consists of foods that love them back. They have figured mm. out what mm-hmm. works for them. What works for them is unique to them. Period. And when we find what works for us, quote, unquote, our healthy diet, meaning the foods that love us back and sustain us in such a way that we can carry on 365 days of the year, then we're on to something. I'm referring here to the problematic restrictive diets for weight loss that set us set us up for failure right out of the fence. There's a difference there. I wanted to just clarify that to anybody listening in that there is a pathway for us to find the foods. And, you know, Dr. Karen, the way that you were describing that, you're on your pathway with curiosity, uh, which is exactly what I coach, to help women find the foods that love them back. In other words, feel good in their body. There's your sign. How mm-hmm. do you feel in your body, in your life? Let that dictate your exploration with food. I love the exploration. I, I call them, I, I think I like that word even better than the one I was using. I was using experiments. So, uh, you know, experiments with food. So I'd be like, huh, okay, so what happens if I have a carb day? And what happens if I eat this this thing and then, and then I have oatmeal and then I have potatoes and, you know, what's my body going to do, right? And, uh, you know, and sometimes yeah. it's not even what, you know, the books say that we should expect, which is kind of pleasant. And other days I'm like, well, I'm going to, you know, I just feel like eating this. And then I'll, I'll eat a mushroom like the other day. And I go, you know, mushrooms really make me fart. And I feel really bloated after eating mushrooms. <laughs> Why am I eating mushrooms? Right? Well, cause it's in the recipe, right? Seriously. So, and I'm like, do I really like mushrooms? Well, I do, yeah. but do I, but, but do I really like this kind of mushroom and this, you know, and the, and the other part yeah. is like, uh, Karen, you could take them out if you want. And I'm like, no, well, no, it's part of the recipe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's funny conversations, but anytime I go off what I quote unquote, my mental mind thinks that, okay, well, I don't know if you should eat all that. Right. Uh, then I'll be like, I'm doing an experiment. So maybe that, Maybe that's still ego, right? Saying <laughs> I'm doing an experiment, I'm going to eat whatever I want. And then I go, what did my body feel? Hmm, okay, well, that didn't work. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I, I'd love to dive into what you're describing, like, about intuitive eating. Now, that that takes, that gets a bad rap sometimes. I'd love to break this mm. down a little bit for anybody yeah, listening great. about intuitive eating. Because my coaching does involve the concept of intuitive eating. But here's the thing. We cannot intuitive eaters until we are intuitive with self first. We have to get conscious with ourselves first and dieting is anything but conscious. So we kind of have to retrain ourselves in relationship Mm. to ourselves with regards to what are we thinking? What are we feeling? What are our emotions? A lot of us, myself included, we learned at an early age that it's not safe to share feelings or emotions. We need to stuff, ignore, and just push and work harder, period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our parents came from the generation where they didn't learn those those self-nurturing oh, tools yeah. either to attune to your own needs, right? So this right. whole concept of, of attunement is real. I really polarize this in the book. What do we really need and what's going on? I, I, I have to tell you how many times I get deer in the headlights with my clients where I, I say, you know, where, for example, they will say, well, last night I was so 
I was so bitchy after work. This person did this and I had this and I wasn't caught up and you know, I ate I ate all, all these cookies. And I, I said I said to this one client recently, I said, Did you ever think about giving yourself permission to just be a bitch after work? Mm-hmm. Like, why not just be a bitch? Why not just sit with that? Give yourself an hour to just be in that bitchy persona, period, <laughs> without just yep. I mean, come on. That's a valid emotion. And and now we're working on the acceptance of her emotions. She mm. Her cravings are going down substantially because her cravings were at an all-time high. After. Well, mm. she was trying to push beyond her energetic reserves mentally, physically, and emotionally. So, you know, we work on things like this. And that also would speak to the person that asked about the cravings. When we learn to attune to our own needs, we also learn that a lot of times, while food, especially processed junk, sugar, all the quick, highly palatable foods, that's going to bring us instant relief, right? What else, what else could bring us relief and calm and soothe that is a nurturing choice? We have to go that direction or else food will take us down every single time. So do you see how it's an act of going inward and learning how uh-huh. to attune to our own needs. And, you know, I learned this from a, from a therapist friend of mine. You know, she said to me, Tracy, sometimes we have to learn to be our, be our own motherly voice to ourselves. And I just, like, lost my mind. I said, will you say that again? So now I've been telling everybody. <laughs> sometimes we have to engineer that compassionate, nurturing, motherly voice to ourselves because we have been playing hard with our inner critic. We're not doing uh-huh. enough. We need to work harder. We didn't get enough done. Shame, 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 shame. Shame, shame, shame. So check this out. Check this out. I'm just going to take a side note here. Um, when we learn to examine the two voices that we have available to us, I realized that one of them was running my show my entire life, and that is my inner critic voice. Now, if you saw the movie The Wizard of Oz, I described this in the book. There's that green-faced, really mean witch that rides that bicycle, and Dorothy's really afraid of her. She's really mean and nasty. I remember being afraid of her as a child. Oh, I was, she says I all was these, terrified of her and the monkeys when I was a kid. Oh, hell yeah, the monkeys. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. So we have that voice that we don't even realize. It can be a subconscious thing that's always telling us we're not doing enough. We need to keep pushing, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it's that voice that is always telling us to go, go, go. We're not being enough, doing enough. The the body image shaming, all of those voices that is measuring our worth. Then you have Glinda. Remember the beautiful sparkly witch that comes down <laughs> yeah. in the bubble? Loved her dress. Wearing the dress. <laughs> yeah. And she speaks to Dorothy in this tone, and she tells Dorothy in such a loving, empathetic, compassionate tone that she has everything that she needs right Mm. within her own power. Mm. No joke. We can engineer that voice and arguably that's what a lot of us are missing. The Mm. diets don't give us any sense of going inward to attune to our own unique, amazing needs. So the inner Mm -hmm. rebel gets louder, louder and parties on with the inner critic. Of course, we're binging on donuts at 3 p.m. and going to the the vending machine, whatever. The Halloween candy gets broken open, you know, three days before. No wonder we're doing that. So let's give ourselves some validation and some grace that we have tried really hard, but there are other ways to take back and discover our own power on our own terms. It's time to stop the madness. 
it, it's time to stop that madness with the dieting. It uh, really, really is. Well, so that's it's beautiful. All part of it. uh, you know, just what you said about, about um, like having that loving, nurturing uh, other part of ourselves uh, to mother ourselves. Because you're right, a lot of us have been missing that and don't know how to access that. And we could possibly do it for other people, but not for ourselves. And, and so when yeah. we go to Marshalls and we see all the sale items at the counter. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, sometimes they do get you know I get it. I look at them like oh, non-GMO organic sugar whatever ginger candy whatever, and I'm tempted, you know. Um, yeah, and uh, then I go hmm, do I really want that, or is it just my mind that says oh this is on sale and you know where else are you gonna find this stuff you know and and then I was like wait a second I actually don't want to eat that, huh? Okay, and then, and then I kind of move on and do something else. And, the, and those are kind of like little mini wins for me where I can stop enough to really feel into, do I really want that? And why do I really want that? Is that because I kind of skipped breakfast really fast and went skating and then went shopping and then now I haven't eaten, you know, and it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. like, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it's just fascinating that having that voice would be so, so helpful. And, you know, you're be, what you just described is an example of being intuitive. That's just one example of how, how you do it. And what you just made me think of something. There are, you know, we are used to having rules, food rules, and it's so mm. freaking confusing. Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, my, my, my parents hate that when I tell them to eat this, not that. You know, oh, my goodness. I stopped it. <laughs> oh, yeah, because then we're just feeding our inner, our inner rebel. So if we think about this, I'm going to give a great example here, okay? So when we, we have to go back to basics, and this is one of the things. I just banish all the food rules. It's part of doc, toxic dieting programming, so we just go back to basics. Think of all the food rules that have been around us. It's so confusing from this plan, that way of eating, um, the, all, all the things, all the food categories and the rules surrounding that. When ultimately our job is to determine what works for us. Well, how the heck do we do that? We have to quiet the noise of everything we see on TV and around us. And I, I go through some really fun tools to do that. But ultimately, let's, let's just get real. We all want to feel good in our bodies. Okay, I'm going to give an example. Mm-hmm. I discovered when I, when I banished toxic diet mentality during, during pandemic, really. It was like March of 2020. I, I made a few um, experimental decisions with food, and I had the time to do it finally, okay? And I discovered when I ate certain things, my belly felt better. And I mean, let's just face it, ladies, we don't like to feel bloated. There are certain things that when I ate them, I felt good, I felt energetic, and I felt like I was digesting them good. Wow, okay? They were in the whole foods category. With the more unprocessed whole foods that I liked, for example, I love juicy oranges. I love green apples. I love um, lightly salted nuts. I'm just giving you some examples. Um, I can't stand celery. I like little cherry tomatoes. I discovered the foods that love me back that do this. They make me feel good, and they make my belly go down. I like mm-hmm. to have a non-bloated belly. Who doesn't? Yeah. I mean, ladies, come on. When right. our bellies aren't bloated, well when we spl- yeah, when we slide on those jeans that make us feel amazing, and they only fit a few times of the year, when those jeans <laughs> – Dip up consistently day after day. We're on to something. 
We're learning what works for us. And, you know, we all have that right. Of course, we want to feel good and we want to look good, let's face it. There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing narcissistic about that. Of course, we want to feel good and look good. And by the way, I know that we want to get the weight off. Let's not ignore that, okay? But what we eat can align to the results with regards to how you feel in your body. Then we're on to something with that experiment. I'd love to dive in at this point, Dr. Karen, about, well, okay, weight loss. All right. <laughs> I yes. encourage anyone that has a dysfunctional relationship with, with the scale to raise their hand. <laughs> so if your hand is up like I'm sitting here on the floor in my office because it's comfortable, I've got my hand. My left, my left hand is way up in the air. If you're like me and your past with the scale looks anything like this, then hear me out. Uh-huh. Anytime I had to go to the doctor starting in childhood, there was a concern, parameters of the chart that somebody made up according to height yep. and weight. Okay, I'm five. Yeah, all right. I'm 5'4", and Karen, you mentioned that you're 5'4", okay? I am. Now, yeah. Now, I never, I can't, I don't remember when I weighed 110 pounds, ever. But that was like part of like the scale <laughs> for me. That was a long time ago, but... Well, okay. Well, I had like the doctor, I had the Weight Watchers lady give me an an ideal goal weight for me. Get ready for this. 130 pounds was my ideal goal weight. Well, I can tell you, I'm in the best health of my life. I'm wearing the smallest size of clothing consistently all year long that I've ever fit into. I'm not going to say what it is. But here's the thing. I still don't weigh 130 pounds. It's hysterical. And I never get on the scale. The last time I got on the scale, everyone, was for my physical because I had to. By the way, you do not have to anymore. I got on in January for my annual checkup, and I looked up at the ceiling, and I was examining all of the flyers they had on the walls, and I got off of the damn thing. Yes. And the doc, my, my doctor did tell me what I weighed, and we had an interesting discussion about this. But my point is this. It's an antiquated measure of success that will only derail us because – no matter what that number is, we are conditioned to believe, oh, I can get it lower. There have been times in my Shoot. life where I did, <laughs> yeah, I did hit 130, fighting, pushing the Weight Watchers points. I hit the 130. I got my little keychain there. Everybody's clapping for me in the meeting. Oh. And then I held on to that quote unquote goal weight for all of maybe four days because then I got tired of counting points. I had no idea how to sustain my war pass tactic to get there. And you can guess what happened, right? Uh, Start binging. Yeah. And here we go again. So there are other ways to measure success. For example, being curious, keeping a food log of how you're feeling, what you're eating, yes, and also how you're feeling. I, I coach this concept, and it's so much fun. It's called the hanger method. It's my own way. I call it the hanger method. And I say, this, this is a blast. And I have a really good friend who lost almost 70 pounds doing this exact thing. Pick something in your closet right now that, let's say a pair of jeans, okay? You can get them buttoned, but you can barely breathe, and you're not going to wear them out in public because they're too tight, but you love these jeans, and you're thinking, right. okay, someday they're going to fit. Someday they're going to fit. So... Have those jeans, put them on a clip hanger, and have them hanging somewhere, like in your bathroom where you can see them. That's a reminder every day to keep on keeping on examining and consuming foods that love you back. How do you feel? When you eat the the pumpkin muffin at Dunkin', 
How do you feel? Oh, I felt bloated, tired, and and sluggish after. Okay, there's there's a result from the experiment that you had. What did we learn from that? The genes aren't going to fit if we continue to eat things like that because we feel bloated. But you can try those genes on like once a week or once every other week to track your progress. There's nothing more rewarding than when those genes fit. And by the way, there was a time before where I did, I zipped up those jeans and I said, huh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling a little cocky. I'm going to get on the scale. I was so far away from 130, it wasn't even funny. And I had a laughing stock of a party in my bathroom because I so enjoyed how I felt and looked in my jeans more than what that $20 piece of, of pin on my bathroom floor was telling me. So again, ladies, we have to the madness. And men, too. We just have to stop the madness. Do you see how we can buy into this insanity? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is so, <laughs> so true. And, uh, yeah, and then that, that conditioned part of us, you know, the little voice, the critic, whatever, um, it says all sorts of interesting things. Like, for me, it's like, oh, hmm. Well, you ate a lot today. Why are you so hungry? And I'm and the other part of me is like, I it's ascension. I'm just hungry. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? yeah. I just want to eat a lot today. Right. And I've come to grips with that to some degree because there are other days where I go I, I'm just about to like make food and I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Do I really need to eat right now? Just because it's lunchtime? Huh. Mm, yeah, I actually don't feel like eating, huh? That's interesting, right? And then I'd be like, do I want to? Do I want to eat this? Nope. Do I want to eat bone broth? Nope. Do I want to eat my smoothie? Nope. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but that's I have to say that's rare <laughs> at this point, Tracy, uh, where where I can be at that place. But I'm learning to accept, you know, you know, like what you were saying, like just just yeah, that intuitive eating part. Um, accept that. Hey, some days it's okay that I'm eating twice as much as I think I quote unquote or used to think quote unquote that I should, and other days where I'm hardly eating anything at all. Like who says that we're supposed to exactly eat the same calories every day, three times a day with or plus or minus snacks or whatever this whole regimented thing. So your point is well taken is like let's let let go of all that uh structure that we think we need. And the scale, of course. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Because we have to give ourselves a chance. Again, I use, the, I use the term being intuitive with self. We already have the answers as to what our, I call it a path of excellence with food and body looks like for us. We already have those answers within our inner wisdom. It's just, it's difficult to block the noise of what society is telling us we should be doing when, when and what we should be eating. But I'd love to, you, again, you, you sparked me on with your, your curiosity and how you were asking yourself questions. Um, let's go back to the whole concept of, of intuitive eating because we were all born intuitive eaters as babies. We knew when to push away when we've had enough. So we're, we're really trying to go back to those roots, and here we are as adults, and we're, we're trying to figure that out for us, and it's just fascinating. Mm. Um, now, I, when people hear intuitive eating, I was one of them, by the way. I used to think this, like, oh, don't even tell me that. As a chronic dieter, we don't want to hear, become an intuitive eater and eat your cake in moderation. Some of us really cannot do that. We have a hard time with certain foods. 
that's you, okay? I know that birthday cake is really hard for me. I call it one of my main offenders. It's huh. going to be really hard for me to control myself. When that sugar, when that amount of sugar hits my brain, I'm in trouble. That's just me, but my husband can have a couple of bites and he's fine. So the, in, the intuition with self is that it's a fascinating opportunity to learn who you really are in relation to food. Now, for anyone out there saying, well, if you tell me to just eat whatever I want, because that's part of the concept, eat what you enjoy, well, I'm going to go off the rails and I'm going to eat Ben and Jerry's dough ice cream every night. Okay, (laughs) well, (laughs) let's let's bring it. We could do that. Okay, we can have whatever we want 24-7. Now, if you choose to do that, then... That's great. You could do that if you wanted, but let's go there with that one. How is that going to make you feel? And do you want to live your life feeling that way? Well, that's my favorite ice cream, okay? If I ate that every night, I'm usually not satisfied with a couple of bites. I've got to be real careful. If I eat as much as I want of that stuff, I am going to be hellaciously bloated, bring on the gas, Dr. Karen, you, you named it. I'm not going to sleep good. <laughs> my jeans are not going to fit me. The ones that make me feel really good in my body, my clothes mm. that fit. My belly ain't going to be happy. It's it's going to be sticking out. I don't like that. Um, what else? My face is going to be swollen in the morning. My hormones mm. are going to be out of whack. I'm going to be very, very moody. I am not going to be the best version of wife, mother, mentor, coach, you name it, I'm going to be a small fraction of my best self. So let's Mm -hmm. go back to, sure, sure, you can have whatever you want, friends. Just know the result is going to be, and are you okay with that? And here's the thing, some people are. I know plenty of people that are walking around with um, an obesity problem, and they're rocking out their best life. I mean, and that's fine for them. But those of us that are here on this call with this particular topic, our inner wisdom is saying, hey, hey, what's our truth? What's, I'm not okay feeling horrible in my body if I eat ice cream every night for dinner. I'm not okay with that. My spirit's not okay with that. That's me. So what's you? So what you eat is going to have a result. How do you want to feel? Let that dictate. Here we are, it's Halloween. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So, Dr. Karen, can we go there about Halloween? Oh, yes, please. And then I have a couple of questions. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've been talking about this all morning with some other ladies, and it's just fantastic. So I'm going to use myself as an example. I'm going to spearhead off of the last example that I gave you. In my past, Halloween candy was an absolute disaster for me. So I, would, I was mm-hmm. on a diet. And I was trying to white knuckle my way with my foods. I was um, I was at war with food. I was ignoring myself, and I was trying to push the rules on the diet and live within those parameters to get the weight off. Then I'd worry about it later. Okay. So I'm following the parameters and the rules, and it's Halloween, and I'm like a caged tiger, or I'm more like a, a five-year-old <laughs> that's been put in timeout, and everybody else is having fun on the playground. Oh man. So two grown children now, but I'm going to go back to when they were young and I was really at war with food. I I took them trick-or-treating. We lived in a big neighborhood with a ton of opportunity to bring home the junk. And um, I put them to bed. And 
backing up here, uh, I, I, I fell prey to the Halloween candy. I'm, I'm, I'm like shaking with anticipation and rebellious to hold back. So I went for a Kit Kat. As soon as I ripped open that candy, that little fun size bar, one would turn into 12 under five minutes. And I would always be doing this when nobody was looking. I was, you know, of course, nobody can see the fitness chick here. I teach classes. Nobody can see me eating the candy. I was pretty good at going in the bathroom and making sure I was getting this this fill, this rebellious uh, uh. fill of my candy when nobody was looking, right? So it gets worse. We go trick-or-treating. I have some friends over with their kids. It's all good. And I'm in, I'm, I have a massive headache from the sugar rush. My stomach uh. is reacting. And uh. I put my children to bed. And I'll never forget this one year where my son was about five. Now, my son, Jackson, he's now 24. He wasn't really into candy. He was all about dressing up. And candy, sugar wasn't his thing. Now, my daughter, you know, I had to watch her. And, <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. But here's my point. I knew that my son wasn't really going to notice anything about his candy the next morning. My husband goes to bed. Everybody's in bed. And I'm up. And I'm up. And I'm binging on all of his chocolate. Oh. This was back in like 2003, maybe. Uh-huh. I was in a job that wasn't didn't wasn't working out for me. I was in a lot of stress. I'm trying to diet, okay, and I'm really alone with myself. I'm alone uh-huh. in my pain, and in the, and I I binge like mad. I go to bed. I wake up feeling horrible. My little boy comes down the stairs in the morning. He goes and looks in his little plastic that I had you know torn through, and he said, "Mommy, what happened to all my candy?" Oh, oh my God. There was a moment. Talk um, about shame, Wow. And just like left a dagger in my heart. And bring in that wicked witch from the Wizard of Oz. She just was partying on the criticism. Then I became a horrible mother. Let's add that one to the list. I'm a horrible mother now. I'm oh, out of control. Man. I need to start the next diet. Well, see, the next day, you know, I'm planning the next diet. I'm going to start over on Monday. So that day, out of shame, I went out and I bought more candy for my son and I put it in his pumpkin to satisfy somehow my need that to be a good mother. And uh-huh. no doubt when he wasn't looking, I probably binged on that as well because I'm back on the diet. So the reason I'm explaining this story to anybody listening is this. Here we are, Halloween. I got kids coming to my front door, right? We got candy downstairs. It's on the counter. It's no problem for me at all because intuitively I have made peace with that food and my own spirit, and I have accepted that that particular food does not love me back. And I know (laughs) that even to this day, if I eat one of those which doesn't even call to me anymore, if I go down that rabbit hole and I say, well, maybe, well, maybe, if I eat one, it's going to hit my brain because that's what sugar does to me, and it's going to take me down a road that's going to be real hard to turn around. It's easier to not go there, and in that, I stand in my grace and power, and I absolutely love that, and I'm not fighting. I don't feel deprived, Dr. Karen, mm-hmm. because that's important I know... Well, here's the thing. Anybody listening, here, here's, here's the clencher. You can have the candy if you want. Just know. Ask yourself the question, how is that going to make me feel? What's your truth with the Halloween candy? Some people, like my husband, they can have a couple, eh, not their thing, whatever. That's not me. What is it for you? What is your truth? Because if it is going to cause you to crave many, many more, then you're going to feel a certain way. 
is that okay with you? It mm-hmm. might be for some people. They might be like, well, you know what? I'm fine with having 10 pieces of Halloween candy because I know I can stop after that. Great. But what's your truth? Because that's right. not mine. And Dr. Karen, you have yours. And everybody listening, you know your truth. It's time to sit with that. And it's time mm-hmm. to honor that in your grace. And know oh, how do you want to feel in your body? You chew and swallow. Let that dictate it. How do you want to feel in your body? I love that because you've really explained intuitive eating in a very clear way as, as there's a misconception around that uh, intuitive eating, meaning I have a craving, my intuition is saying I should eat this, right? And and you're saying, well, how do you right. feel in your body? And you've known from your you know past, there's a pattern. So, you know, that's something you can template, if you will, to, to go off of. It's not it's not necessarily, you know, saying you can or can't eat any, you know, whatever it is that you desire, but maybe there's something else there that um, that our actions can be dictated from that, you know, awareness of what you're talking about is that awareness. How do I feel when I eat this? And um, and 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 what the beautiful example that you've given is that you're not in this place, you know, in that rebellion mode. You're not in the deprivation mode. Right? Even though the action looks the same, you're not eating the Halloween candy. The action is the same. The form is the same. But the energy behind it is really, really different. It's not a sense of deprivation. The people exactly. used to think, why, why, aren't you, like, why don't you drink? And I'm like, I don't drink because I don't like the way I feel. <laughs> I drink. I mean, there's no right. point. It's a waste of money. <laughs> if you want to put it in the, in, the, you know, in the crock pot for the stew, go right ahead. But... They're like, oh, no, you know, you're really missing out. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> you guys can if you want, but I don't like the well, you way know I what, feel. Dr. So. You just described a concept where I encourage the clients that I work with to stay in their own lane. And what mm. you just described about the crock pot, well, yeah, if you throw it in there, great. But, you know, alcohol is not my thing, and that's the decision that, that, that I'm making. You know, and we have to take back our right to have boundaries on our terms. And, you know, we could be on this call for the next eight hours talking about food pushers (laughs) and boundaries. And when we begin to, you use the word awareness. Curiosity and awareness are two tools to becoming um, a diet-free diva. Because we never have to go on a diet again when 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 we step by step, one day at a time, Commit to our own awareness with the foods that we're choosing to eat. Now, I'm not, notice I'm saying we're not going on a diet. We have the freedom to eat whatever we want and notice how it makes us feel. And with a commitment to the awareness of that, for somebody that really wants to feel good in their body, including lose unwanted, losing unwanted pounds, when we learn how to eat foods that love us back and to truly satisfy us and nurture us at the same time, now we're on to something. So with that regard, we look at all available foods, including the junk, including the the Dunkin' Donuts, the Halloween candy, all of that. It's all available. Nothing is off limits when we eat intuitively. However, we're never deprived of any of that stuff. Well, what the heck does that mean? Tell me more. We are never deprived of those Mm -hmm. Super crazy, tasty foods, including the birthday cake that I said was my biggest offender. I don't think of it in terms of, oh, I can never have it. No, I can have that whenever I want. 
So we move from I'm not thinking from a deprivation mindset. Right. I'm choosing. I'm choosing not to eat that very frequently. Hell yeah, on my kids' birthdays, I have cake. By the way, I mean, come on. So I'm choosing <laughs> to eat cake infrequently. And that's an elevation mindset. So we go from a deprivation, toxic dieting mindset into an elevation. How do I want to feel? What are the parameters with food that I'm discovering make me feel amazing? And I'm choosing to eat that apple in that manner when we have that mindset, Dr. Karen. When we have that mindset, I want to feel the way that this green apple and serving of nuts makes me feel at 3 p.m. over the pumpkin muffin and the extra large coffee that I used to, used to consume because I want to feel the way that the apple makes me feel because that's how I rock out as my best diva. Ah, I, I feel good and I'm pursuing my purpose, which, by the way, one of my – one of my diva purposes that I discovered when I found peace with food is being small, out of shame, and it was always, when am I going to get my next fix with sugar? Right. When am I right. going to start the next diet? So um, I hope that that sheds some light with the viewers with the deprivation mindset versus the elevation mindset with regards to choices. We have choices and we have outcomes. So think of how they work together and what do you want? That is beautiful. I love that. Well, I have a whole bunch more questions now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and, by the, and by the way, for the folks that have called in, if you want to ask a question live on the call and get some personal mini advice, go and do that, 818-514-1190. Hit one so I know your hand up because I know there's folks here without their hand up. But that's okay. You don't have to speak. But if you want to, it's 818-514-1190 and hit one. Okay. So, Tracy, so my mom used to say <laughs> – because, uh, you know, I, I did, yeah, she would complain about her joint pain, for example, you know, joint pain, blah, blah, blah. And I would say, well, you know, mom, I, I don't think it's a really good idea for you to eat all those, uh, you know, uh, all that, whatever, that pumpkin bread or whatever, you know, because uh, it's got gluten and you're sensitive to gluten and you tend to have pain when you have, and she goes, at the beginning, a while, you know, this is many years ago, she used to say, oh, Karen, life is too short. Life is too <laughs> short to be so, you know, strict with your food. Enjoy life. Enjoy sure. the, you know, she was saying enjoy the pumpkin bread, banana bread, whatever it is her friends made, right? So, so my, my response at the time was like, well, yeah, I absolutely believe we should enjoy life. And when I eat these things, right, it might feel like an enjoyment in that moment, a moment of pleasure. But then there could be five or 10 days of feeling sluggish, you know, joint pain. And I don't want to feel that. Life is too short for me to eat something that makes me feel bad. So that was my response. Right. So um, you probably have people saying that kind of thing too. So I'd love to hear what your response would be. I love that. And you know what, Dr. Karen, actually you touched on a concept that I hadn't talked about yet, and I think that it completes a lot of this discussion. So thank you. I love how the universe just, like, aligns us on this call, you know. It's so great. But, um, yeah, so let, let's talk treats. And I, I agree. I agree with your mom. Life is too short. I mean, hell yeah. Friends, here's the thing. When we break free from toxic diet 
programming. We are breaking down the fence of having rules, right? We talked about the intuitive aspect of eating. How do you want to feel? And what we choose to eat will dictate how we feel in our bodies. It's more important for some people to feel amazing than it is to others, frankly. I mean, like, you have to understand your truth. So, So for those people that are listening in, and it's very important for them to have peace with food. They, they, you know, they want to feel good in their bodies, but they're so confused with food. And, and the big question is, but, you know, what do I do at Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthdays and all that stuff? I'm mm-hmm. going to share with you something I put in my book. And, again, it's a concept. It's an idea. You do it your way. I'm going to give you an example of how I do this. That does not mean that it becomes a rule for you. We're just having a conversation. I agree that as far as I'm concerned, life is not grand without things like ice cream and birthday cake, okay? They represent celebration to me, and it's a way that I can um, live life within my healthy boundaries, okay? So it's called the 80-20 idea. Some of you may have heard of this before, but Here's, here's an interesting way to think of this question. Could you, as you progress forward, choose to eat foods that, I've said this how many times now, that love you back. In other words, they make you feel amazing, whole, unnatural, whole natural, process, unprocessed foods. Pick the ones in nature. We've heard the concept whole foods. We've got to get back to the majority of that stuff because those are the foods that ultimately are jam-packed with the nutrients that are going to support our health. And check this out, they are going to support us landing in in a natural, healthy weight for us, whatever that is, energy that we can trust moving forward to support us in living an abundant life. Okay, but what about all of the fun foods that we quote-unquote think that we're going to miss so much. Okay, well, you've heard the concept of delayed gratification. Here's where it works beautifully. I learned this trick from a coach that I followed years ago, and this is how she did it, and I implemented this tool. In terms of that 20% for treats, we want to plan those out. And once you plan those out, and I'm going to give you an example of how I do this, then it's like, okay, well, we have managed – this thing called deprivation because it doesn't exist anymore, okay? Uh-huh. So if you look at a calendar year, like I am still using a manual calendar because I love a pencil and an eraser <laughs> and I like to write. I like to, you know, that's just Funny. me. But in the world of devices, you can do your thing with your device as well. If you go through the calendar year, this is what I do. I put, a, I literally, I'm getting ready to do this for 2023, by the way. I forecast vacations and I put stars on certain days of the calendar. Go through all the months. My daughter gets a star on her birthday. I get a star on mine plus Mother's Day. Fourth of July, uh, my husband's company picnic. That's another one. Um, there's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Um, New Year's Eve, not so much. Uh, Easter for me, yes, you get the picture. Mm. I added up all of those days, and I gave myself some grace. For there are certain like events that I don't even know are coming up yet. I'm going to add a few more stars in there just because I want to be realistic. And I divide that by 365 days. And I get a very small percentage of my year where, oh, my gosh, I'm going to enjoy birthday cake on my birthday. 
And on Mother's Day, I'm going to enjoy something else. And on 4th of July, we're going to go down to this ice cream store down the road that's famous for the area that I live in, Eastern Shore, Maryland. And I'm going to have the cone of my choice. When I did that, all of a sudden, the deprivation monster went away. I don't have to diet anymore. I know what foods love me back, and I eat those foods. The goal is 80% of the time. If it doesn't have a star on the calendar, now keep in mind, I'm eating the whole, I've learned what foods I love that bring me satisfaction and pleasure that are on the spectrum of whole food, natural yeah, I add some some regular salad dressing in there. That's just me. We have to flex a little bit here. You have to do you. Food need not be boring, but I have I have mastered the art of delayed gratification, and that makes me feel good. It gives me terms. And I'll tell you, I can't wait for Thanksgiving because my daughter makes this famous dessert every year. And I know how that dessert is going to make me feel, and I've learned that I'm satisfied with having just a little bit of it because if I eat too much, my my face is all puffy in the morning, and my stomach's going to feel lousy at 6 a.m. That's just me. That's just an example. And I'm I'm hoping that I shed some some um, realistic lifestyle ways of managing your favorite foods. Mm, oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. And I just want to make a comment, uh, Tracy, in case it's helpful for any of our listeners, and, and maybe uh, <laughs> maybe you've never heard this before, but, um, you know, when, when, when we go to the store and there's Halloween and everything like that, and what I used to love is the Kit Kats and the Mars bars and all that kind of stuff. But I tell people, you know, especially if, if I'm at a party and they offer me stuff like that that they didn't make, of course, but, but you know, commercially made, it's like, I know too much. <laughs> And what I mean is I know what's in it. I know where they got the ingredients. I know how they made it. And it makes, it's like, why would I eat that? You know, why would I eat that? Right. And because I see it, certain ingredients and, and, you know, whether it has glyphosate in it, like Roundup or whatever, I just, my body just goes, ew, ew. Like, why do you want to eat that? Right. And so I just, it just doesn't, it doesn't like spur me on to, to try any of it anymore because I'm like, I know how my body's going to react because I already have this mental image of where it came from and who made it and how they did it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, forget it. Now, on the other hand, German friends, skater friends from Germany, okay, brought German chocolate. Look at the ingredient list. Pretty, pretty clean stuff, I got to tell you. Did I eat that? Absolutely. <laughs> right? And my body was fine with it. Uh, so in case anybody is like, oh, how do I get rid of cravings? I don't know. I just found that sometimes if I know too much, which is a good thing, uh, then uh, then I'm not even tempted really because I'm just like, yeah, no, don't want to. And then the other thing too is ethically too. If I want to s- support those who are, you know, supporting um, natural agriculture and our farmers and, you know, going into the farmer's market, just super happy with, you know, being able to, to support them. They're supporting me. It feels so good. There's so much love in the room, if you will. Then when we, when I go and, and potentially look at all the, some of the commercial stuff and I know where it's coming from and, you know, the, the money involved and, and the cheating involved and that kind of stuff, I, I just ethically go, I don't want to support that. So I'm going to minimize where my energy goes in that space. And that's just me. Like you said, you do you, you know, I do me. Other people do whatever works for them. You know, Karen, I absolutely love that. I, my faith is red as a beat right now hearing you 
talk about that. I get so excited when I when I talk about this food and the you know breaking free from diet culture because you just described how you're unique in your thinking with food. You know, you described how the the thought of what's in it and and the whole ethics behind it, like all of that plays a role in your decision to eat it. Now, you might take someone else. I'm just giving an example out there that um, let's say somebody really likes Little Debbie snack cakes. I mean, I grew up having a Little Debbie snack cake or a Hostess cupcake in my lunchbox growing up. So sometimes those foods are begging for attention because there's meaning attached to me. There's Mm. meaning attached to that. It brought me pleasure, a lot of pleasure as a child. And I'll be honest, I'm, you know, here I am, I'm an adult and I do like how those things taste. I'm going to admit it. They're the cheapest garbage on planet earth. Yeah. I like how it tastes. So, and in the moment when I'm looking at a hostess cupcake or those little zinger thingies with the cream in the middle, garbage, absolute garbage. But, there are times when I say yes to that hostess cupcake for reasons that are far beyond the quality. I know it's a piece of junk, but there are reasons why, and it, it very rarely happens. But sometimes one of my little, I'm going to say yes to that hostess cupcake today because it takes me back with positive memories of being a child and having that in my lunchbox. Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we're all so very different. And I'd also like to throw something in there for people that are thinking, well, my gosh, that still sounds rigid. That sounds like rules. It kind of is. So let's water it down a little, the 80-20 idea, okay? I, I have this concept in my book, and I use this with clients all the time, and it works fabulously. And it's just kind of like, what a relief. Get ready. There's also, in addition to the 80-20 idea, 80% healthy with pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment, you like those foods that are healthy for you and the 20% treats. There's also this concept because we live in a crazy world and, and we are not trying to be perfect. We bring in this idea of the graceful gray zone. In other words, let's go there together. Let's go there together. Mm-hmm. You're in line at the grocery store, okay? You're in line at the grocery store and um, you've had a day from hell. You've got a million things you have to do before the end of the day, and you see a hostess cupcake. You see, like, the individual. Here we go again with the hostess cupcakes. So there it is in the checkout line, and you're looking at that thing, and you have a moment, and you say, the hell with it. You take that cupcake, and you go home, and you eat it. Well, let's take a look at that. We have to be able to honor when we make those decisions and not let that turn into a sea of judgment and shame because you ate the cheap cupcake. We call that, yeah, you had a day from hell. Not every day is like this, but so what if you ate? Maybe you needed that in that moment because you had the day from hell. Let's give ourselves permission to flex and bend without judgment, without criticism. You ate the cupcake. It brought some sort of love back when you were in fourth grade and there were no problems. Screw it. You had the cupcake. You brush your teeth, drink some water onward. That's the graceful grade zone. Oh, I love we have that. to get real. When life gets lifey, we for, remember we're trying to break down the rules, but yet at the same time we're forming boundaries with ourselves with regards to our path of excellence. How do we want to live our life? We got to think about that, right? But if you bring in the eighty twenty idea and then you slap on this little side of graceful mm. gray, that doesn't mean now every day is not a graceful gray. That's something else. That means that we've gone unconscious. 
Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. we remain aware with curiosity. We're conscious with everything we put in our mouth of how it's going to make us feel. Is this a choice? Sometimes the cupcake has a place, and that's called the graceful gray. Oh, I love that. Well, for me, because I'm not much of a sugar person, um, I'm more like a chip person. So for yeah. me, it would be like the other day we had gone skating and then we had uh, gone to Marshalls and we went spent a lot more time there than I uh, envisioned and grocery shopping and that kind of st- stuff. So I was like pretty hungry at that point. Um, and uh, so I was like, this is exactly what I did, the whole Graceful Gray part. I'm like, honey, where are those organic late in the July nachos that you just bought? <laughs> And he's always so generous. He's like, oh, they're right here. Here you go. You know, (laughs) he's so helpful, right? And so he opens it up for me, and I just eat it. But I'm eating. I'm going, okay, well, this isn't ideally what I want to eat for lunch. However, I'm eating this, and it's satisfying, and I'm eating it slowly, and I'm enjoying the cheesiness, right? Now, I still I yeah. still would refuse to eat Doritos even if I was starving. But, you know, this is like this organic brand. You know, anyway, so that's my Graceful Gray example. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, some yeah, some people are like, oh, my gosh, they, they think I eat perfectly all the time. And I'm saying, uh, no. <laughs> no, yeah. if you're striving for perfection, that's never going to work long term. It's not sustainable. Thank you for saying that. Honestly, I mean, Dr. Karen, thank you. Because diets. The toxic programming, they they paint a picture of perfect, and we get into the black and white thinking. Whereas yeah. now, when we lovingly create our path of excellence with our newly written scripts, our new food story moving forward, we ain't about perfect because life is crazy. So we do the best we can one yeah. day at a time with what we have. We have our 80-20 planned, but guess what? When life gets lifey, you have your graceful gray and your one meal of getting back on eating something that is going to make you feel amazing. Remember, we're not talking rules. We're ta- and this is like this is not a linear a linear pathway. It's very very bumpy uh-huh. and uh-huh. awesome. And you learn with the bumps. <laughs> Everybody, we learn with our bumps. And just remember, the glaring question is when you make a choice to eat whatever it is, how do you want to feel in your body? Sometimes it's going to go great with your decision, and sometimes it's not. And that is just how it is. Always be, always be aware. Last week, last week, I, um, I had a real challenging phone call, okay? My daughter had been visiting, and then she flew back to Texas where she lives, and I had a leftover can of whipped cream in my refrigerator. I had a challenging phone call. I'm emotionally depleted. It's 9 p.m. at night can of whipped cream I took that thing out of the fridge and I squirted a decent amount into a little bowl I got a spoon and I freaking ate it that was an example of my graceful gray I had a really horrible day I was emotionally depleted I enjoyed every bite of that whipped cream without judgment because I knew where it fit the next day I was back on eating eating the way I normally do and I felt rested after a good night's sleep that's how we do it friends (laughs) I mean that's how we give ourselves grace yeah. Thanks. Well, I, I thought you were going to say you sprayed it in your mouth because that's <laughs> you actually took a well, bowl. You that's, know what? that's impressive. <laughs> I love that, Dr. Karen. In the old me, when I was fighting with dieting, if I would have been on a diet and I would have had a thought, "Screw it, I'm a loser." Hell yeah, I would have opened my mouth and and I would have drained the whole can before I went to bed. <laughs> Do you see how it's different? 
Yes. Do you see yes. how like the Beautiful. toxic dieting? Yeah. Yes. I'm hoping that other people are resonating with this down to earth conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, this is yeah. wonderful. So theholisticdivas.com. That's your website. Can yes. you go over like where people can find the book and then how do they work with you? Do you do one on ones, groups, programs, etc.? Absolutely. So I actually just started my business, theholisticdivas.com. If you go on my website, you will see the link at the top. It says buy my book. It'll take you right to Amazon where you can buy the paperback or the, the Kindle. And I'm also, I just finished recording it on Audible in my own voice, and it's going to be out in about a month. I'm going to be adding that to the site. But that's where you can find the book. But when you're on my website, um, you'll see if you scroll down a little bit, if you put your, your name and your email, you can download your free work workbook to work through the five steps that I outline in the book to find Ooh, peace and nice. freedom with food on terms. Do you want to get that workbook? It's it's really it's really colorful along with the, the book. It's really kind of fun. And if you also keep scrolling down, you'll see um, my picture and I, I tell my story and I have a, a really powerful photo of myself when I was in high school when I was really in the throes of my binge eating, diet restricting uh, monster of a life. And um, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Yes, I do one-on-one coaching. So when you see the word uh, contact at the top, you can send me an email. We set up a call. And um, what I do offer um, in my book, when you get to the end, I share my website and I invite everyone to schedule a free one-on-one 60-minute call with me to get started with your food story. And, And I do this all the time and I love it. It's your opportunity to tell me your story with food because that is step one. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. We have a very, a very special friend of mine who's, who's been struggling for a while, and uh, I'm really hoping she books a call with you. Oh, <laughs> oh wonderful. That would be such a blessing. That would be such Sometimes a blessing. giving someone space to share yeah. their story yeah. without – judgment or criticism and to just verbalize that and get those words moving and flowing and having support is can be a segue to breaking free and moving in the direction that uh, is nurturing and sustainable Mm -hmm. and healing Mm, that's so beautiful well tracy thank you so much for being part of the show uh the light warrior radio show it's been wonderful congratulations on the on the on the fun and beautiful book that you've produced and uh yeah more power to you this has been wonderful dr karen i'm so honored to be on your show and i'm so grateful for the time that everybody has given uh listening in today yes yes absolutely thanks everyone for listening in until next time lots of love bye for now everyone thank you tracy bye-bye thank you Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.